You're listening to Chats by Rotaract Australia, where we bring Rotaractors together to inspire, educate and collaborate. Hi guys, my name is Laura and welcome to the next episode of the Chats by Rotaract Australia podcast. Tonight, I'm delighted to be joined by Caro O'Shea from the Membership Voice Group based in WA. Welcome, Caro. Thank you, Laura. It's great to be here. We are so excited to have you and tap into all of the wonderful knowledge inside your brain. You live, eat and breathe membership and hold a number of different webinars and thought-provoking Facebook posts in Membership Voice. Why don't we start with a little bit about yourself and how did you get involved in Rotary? I got involved in Rotary in 2009 when my wife came in one day and said, you know you've always said that you're not interested in joining Rotary because you're not particularly interested in, in this weekly meeting thing. And I said, yes. And she said, well, I found a Rotary club that meets once a month. What do you think of that? And I said, Okay, tell me more. And that's how I got involved with what was what was then a very heretical Rotary Club known as the Rotary Club of New York, which was uh, a relocated Rotary Club from uh, the little town of New York in Western Australia. It had been about to close, the, the club, when it was in this country town of York, and the immediate past district governor dramatically, rather dramatically invited the club to relocate to Perth Changed the name to New York. None of which was none of which happened um, officially according to the rules of the time. So when she did it, there was it caused a little bit of a kerfuffle. But she took the club from two members to nineteen in that process. Wow. And interestingly enough, when she relocated the club, it picked up a third member from York who was working in person couldn't actually make it to Rotary meetings when it was out in the country in York. So I joined that club and that was a bit of fun and eventually it came back into the fold as the Rotary Club of Canning Bridge. It all was forgiven and it was created as a, as a, new, as a new club in Perth. And, yeah, that's how I got involved. And in 2013, I, having been the District 9465 social media coordinator for a while, I strolled into the then district governor's office, district governor Irwin Beamel, and said, "Hey, let's let's start a let's start an e club. We don't have one in the district yet." And Irwin said, mm, "Okay, tell me more." And so that's how the Rotary e club of Western Australia was born in 2013. Chartered took a little while to charter it because there was some there was a little bit of resistance to it along the way, but as these things can happen, and it chartered with a, a charter event on a Sunday morning at a swimming pool in the little town of Bruce Rock <laughs> in, in regional Western Australia. There's no point in doing anything traditionally. And, yeah, right. so that's kind of how I got involved in Rotary. And so you're still a member of the E-Club? I am still a member of the E-Club, yes. What was the catalyst from, from changing, I guess, to a, a fairly traditional club to saying, hey, let's, Let's start an e-club because I suspect circa 2014 that was still quite a, a new concept for most people. Well, it was a new concept. There wasn't an e-club in Western Australia. There had been an attempt to create one that, uh, despite the best efforts of the people involved, hadn't quite worked. So 
yeah, it was just that, as I saw it, the e-club model was overdue for introduction to Western Australia because Western Australia, as as with other Rotary regions, uh, Rotary areas, has been suffering a decline in members. And the reason that e-clubs were introduced by the Rotary International Board was to help to retain members in Rotary. And if we look at the, the reality that when we chartered with 21 members, I think only about four of them were four or five of them were were brand new, a number that all the rest were transferees from other Rotary clubs or people who had previously been in Rotary and left. So yeah, the, it it worked, it worked. But of course, the thing about starting any new club is that if you go for set and forget, like start it, set it up with doing some things and then just leave it to run itself without without proper leadership it's going to suffer, it's going to decline, and that that apply, really applies to any Rotary Club. So, yeah, that's why we started it. Starting it really worked in terms of retaining and attracting new members. What is the benefit of an e-club when, you know, you potentially don't have a physical presence somewhere? Do you only meet online? Do you, do you meet in, in person sometimes? Yeah, tell me about it. what an e-club looks like. The original e-club model saw two two different types of e-clubs, the virtual, if you like, the virtual model where it was a pure e-club which which only met online, and the other one was a hybrid e-club which had some physical presence. Now, when we created the Rotary e-club of Western Australia, we created it as a trimodal club. And what I mean by that is that it has three modes of meeting. One is on Zoom, as, as we're, we're talking at the moment. The second is via a Facebook group, and that's called our board group because it's a 24-7 board meeting to which all members of the club are invited for transparency purposes. So all of our, all of our business is, is formalised there. The third one is, is, our, is our face-to-face uh, meeting component, and we decided early on that that should be almost exclusively social because it strengthens any organisation for people to uh, to socialise, to get together face-to-face to do that. We found that that business is is done better online because, because of the affordances of, of things like Zoom. It, it encourages you not to waste time. And socialising, of course, is uh, it does done beautifully face-to-face, and that model has worked well for us. That trimodal model has worked well for us. Yeah, definitely. And I think in the age of COVID and most clubs are now at least have operated under a a sort of a virtual e-model for at least the last sort of 18 months. It'd be interesting to see if clubs do start to adopt this hybrid, get the the business of a club done online, but then really focus on the social and service aspect when they do meet up in real life. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. And and some clubs have really made that transformation quite well. Like I, I know of one traditional club in particular, and I use it as, as an example, where they've decided that board meetings are really the uh, best done in the precinct of Zoom, and that, but they, they still have their traditional sort of face-to-face get-togethers for their, for their other club meetings. But, yeah, they, they use Zoom for their, for their board meetings and, as I understand it, their committee meetings too. Mm. So it works well with that. And look, maybe there there will be some positives that come out of the the global pandemic. <laughs> Here's hoping. Here's hoping. Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, the thing is, the pandemic has shown us how efficiently, and it gets back to this business thing, how efficiently we can administer things and lead things 
online and save a lot of tra- things like travelling time and whatever by doing that. So I think we've potentially gained a lot from the, uh, as well as a whole lot of downside, of course, from the pandemic. Mm. Hopefully it will allow for more meaningful face-to-face interactions when they can happen, uh, speaking as someone in lockdown to someone who has been relatively unaffected by lockdowns in WA. (laughs) Yes, yes, very true, very true. (laughs) So the reason we are chatting today is all about membership. You have gathered a group of incredibly passionate Rotarians and Rotaractors really from around the world to talk all things membership. How did Membership Voice come about? Well, Membership Voice started officially, we can trace it from early 2017 when I was serving as membership chair in District 9465 and I had previously taken part in a a few uh, webinars, sort of educational training webinars with, uh, I remember one in particular with uh, our our current uh, Rotary International Director, Jesse Harmon, which was was fantastic, and another where, in fact, I think Barbara Mifsud, our our current regional membership officer, was in the same one. And I looked at that and I looked at the potential in those webinars and decided that we needed to introduce that because there was a, a bit of a gap in our in our membership training thing. And I looked around and there were lots of great examples of people who were experts at things, people who succeeded, succeeded with club building, succeeded with things like social media and the like. And so we started this this, nine four, this District 9465 uh, webinar program that later became Membership Voice. And, of course, the great thing about Membership Voice is that it went from being a Western Australian-based program to being an official Zone 8 program. So 19, I think it's 19 districts uh, that we serve these days or serve directly these days. Uh, so it has seen some, some growth. But the thing about Membership Voice is that this Membership Voice exists to, to showcase and share the stories of uh, successful club builders and membership specialists. And that's a topic that in its own right isn't going to have automatic crowd appeal to uh, to lots and lots of Rotarians, but we aim to, to connect with those who are doing that, those club, successful club building things, as well as those who want to do it. Because one of the things that we're not good at in Rotary is learning from others' mistakes. We oftentimes get in and sort of, like, I know how to do this in, in the way of a... Uh, if you like, an amateur volunteer, like I can do this, I've got all the things, and we run into uh, some of the same pitfalls and roadblocks that others might have, and that's one of the things that I'm looking to help avoid with with Membership Voice because Membership Voice is there to complement the excellent online training available through Rotary International. Uh, One hand handles the the theory. Yeah, exactly, yeah. One handles the theory and the other sort of handles practical application of it. Very much so. And I think, you know, every year we have training and people say, oh, you know, we're losing members in clubs and district and the zone all around the world. And, you know, every year the incoming Rotary International president gets up in San Diego and says, my goal and my passion is to build Rotary, you know, go out there and 
and do it, whatever their their spin on the theme of the year is. But the reality is that membership is everyone's problem and everyone should be taking responsibility for it because it's not just the designated membership person or, you know, the president of the day. What are some of the conversations that you have as, as part of the webinars? How have they made meaningful difference to, to clubs that you've heard of? Well, in terms of making meaningful differences to clubs that I've heard of, not a, not a great deal because there are still a whole lot of disconnects. We have material out there that I've had really good feedback about. In terms of using that to improve technique, you know, process and the like, very limited because our feedback loops are not great. I'd, I, would, I would love material that we have developed so far, but it's very much a work in progress. We have, for example, a mailing list, you know, I think in a zone of uh, you know, 20 odd thousand people with a mailing list with 80, 88 people on it, things like that. So this is still evolving. Membership Voice is still very much an evolving uh, serve to the zone. Uh, and we still look. We're still looking for more good club building stories as we go, and obviously too, uh, we're looking for assistance in in getting the content of those stories where people who want to get into this club building game, a membership specialist game, can actually access the the material. So it's still a work in very much a work in progress. Usually it's a new membership person every year. And so hopefully by spreading the word in a different circle on the podcast, we can, you know, embrace Rotaract as part of the membership group of people that we're talking to, because even in Rotaract, we certainly have a a membership problem. We've got clubs doing amazing things just as we do in Rotary. But if we don't talk about it, we don't tell people they don't get shared and, and people don't know about it. So if people don't know about it outside of us, how are they going to join and how is it going to get bigger and better? So why is membership engagement so important? Well, membership engagement is really important because our members join join Rotary as premium volunteers who are paying for the privilege of you know, serving their communities and whatever, and they have reasonable expectations of getting value for their time, for their energy and their commitment and their money. And our leadership really has to be about meeting that or looking to identify what it is that those people want when they join, they want that will satisfy that need. If we don't provide value, value as as the recipients see it, people leave. That's why, I mean, it's it's a pretty pretty simple equation. We need to provide value. Because if we don't, we we will continue to lose members. Mm. And I think particularly for Rotaractors, there's a lot of changes that have happened in Rotaract in the last couple of years and certainly some that are, are coming in the, the near future. I, I can identify as Rotaractors paying international fees, coming to a club soon. And really the conversation that we have is how do we show our members that there is value in we've been having a free ride, shall we say, for the last 50 years, but if we are to become a genuine membership status in the eyes of Rotary, there has to be that engagement from Rotaract to say, hey, yes, we are financially saying, yes, we're doing this, but also to reciprocate that, we also need to be getting value back. And so it's that real communication part of it as well that 
we know that Rotary and Rotaract is really great, but how do we tell and ensure that other people truly understand that so that they stick around and continue to be able to do the fun and exciting things that they want to do? One of the things that we've really got to be aware of, and our director Jesse was talking about this just the other day, that is that Rotarians and Rotaractors who experience the the broader world of Rotary and Rotaract outside the club, and that, that can be things like conferences, fellowships, action groups and whatever, those people who build a much bigger network and get much more value back through those uh, those extra connections and that uh, that broader experience are much more likely to get that value for their membership. And as they're getting that value, the question of when they receive their annual their annual subs bill, the question is, is not about whether they pay it or not, but, but hey, I get value out of this, so, so I'll pay it. I'll make sacrifices for that. And that's what we need. I do still see uh, too many examples of clubs becoming introverted and closing themselves off to, to the outside world, become little sort of hermit kingdoms. And that is inevitably bad for, for their members. I mean, even say when you're looking at a country at a country community where services for that defined community and whatever, there are still benefits to be had from participating in these action groups and uh, even sort of serving with district committees and and, and whatever, because by doing that and building your your skills and connections and whatever, inevitably you can bring more benefits into your community, into those community projects, learning, for example, about uh, things like global grants and projects and the like. There's one example. So, yeah, it's that broader it's that broader perspective that's really, really important. Thinking we are doing great work as a club, but we're bigger than just the individuals in our club. And, you know, we we send pre-COVID, we send people all around the world to do amazing things. But, yeah, making sure that we take people on that journey is also really important. And the other thing that goes with that, I do hear sort of reasonably often how uh, members belong to clubs. But if you even if you just look at the incorporation legislation, not-for-profit incorporation legislation in your part of the world, you'll generally see, almost inevitably, that the members don't belong to the club. The club belongs to the members. And that's a very, very important difference. And we need to get better at encouraging people to find a Rotary or Rotaract experience that really that find the best one that suits them. If, that, if that's provided by another club somewhere else, fine, we should encourage people to go for it because it's only by encouraging that movement of, by people to, to, to the best place for them in Rotary and Rotaract that we're really going to see this engagement that we're looking for. Otherwise, it's, it becomes a sort of a, a selfish lose, sort of lose-lose game. Years gone by, we've seen that in Rotary, in Rotaract, sorry, when sponsoring Rotary clubs say, well, you have to join our club because we're your sponsor and Rotaractors have, for whatever reason, not connected with the club or it's not been, you know, suitable for them. And so we've lost them to the abyss of the world when really it's about making sure people are staying in the Rotary family in whatever sort of capacity that is. With the influx of new clubs and and new ways of doing things, hopefully that becomes the more obvious uh, route and hopefully, uh, yeah, we can get these members staying around for a lot longer in a way that suits them. Well, 
There's a word that I still hear used occasionally in Rotary, and it's one that we should that we should consign to the dustbin of history, and that's the term poaching. We hear about someone poaching a member from another club. Well, hey, if the club belongs to the members, you can't poach members because the fact is that they're not they're not a, a fish or a duck on someone's property. They are the owner of the club, and if they choose to move and take up ownership of another club, that's beautiful for them and for Rotary. And for a Rotary Act. And that's that's what we that's what we need to aspire to. And those clubs that are losing are losing people, then really need to look at what it is that is making other clubs more attractive. In some cases, it's going to be because of convenience for where people live and whatever. But there will, there will be situations, for example, where we were talking earlier about uh, clubs that I've been associated with, and there's one in Perth, Rotary Elizabeth Key that I'm fortunate to be an honorary member of, which has an absolutely brilliant program. At the moment, they're looking to press the club from 60 to 70 members, wow. having been, I think, in the 30s 12 months ago. And that's they're doing this because they've developed a, a, a multi-level club where their squads, which are what they call their, their if you like, their committees, their squads are really empowered to do things and, in fact, are required to do things to, you know, because they, they because they have lots of projects that their members are really keen on. And by doing that, they're, they're attracting people from other clubs because they because they, they have this focus on philanthropy and, and uh, providing for their, you know, for, for some amazing community projects and helping groups in need like homeless and, and the like. And they do this in a way that is very, very attractive for their members. And they have a planning process that gets everyone involved. And it's just absolutely amazing. It's a, it's a, it's a club that ticks all the boxes. We need to be sharing those stories so that people can take bits that work for them and can use it in their own club. So hopefully people have been getting a little bit of inspiration as we've been sitting here and chatting. My last question for you is, as a longtime Rotarian, what is a piece of advice that you have for rotor actors? Well, I'm not attached to offer advice, but one of the things that I would encourage them to do is, and it gets back to, to what I was talking about before, and that's to experience the, the broader, the much broader world of the rotary and the rotor act sphere. Because if they limit themselves to one little corner of it, they'll never draw the full value that you can get from this, this amazing global uh, global organisation. And I, I think of it as a movement. I think of it as a movement because it's a whole bunch of causes that sit in this in this huge movement. The opportunities are, are really wide open and endless. Wide open and, and endless. I love that. Well, look, thank you so much. How do people find out more about Membership Voice? Well, Membership Voice has a presence on, on Facebook. You just look for, mem- for Membership Voice Facebook page. If they want to contact me, it's membershipvoice at gmail.com. Membershipvoice, all one word, at gmail.com. Amazing. Well, hopefully you can tune into a webinar sometime soon to learn a little bit more about membership and some of the positive things that can be implemented in clubs right across the zone. So thank you so much, Kerry, for sharing your incredible thoughts and and knowledge with us today. Uh, We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. It's been a, I'm really thrilled that you invited me and it's been a a pleasure to be here. See you next time. 
Don't forget to subscribe to Chats by Broderick Australia on your favourite podcasting channel and like, share and comment on the RA socials.